But when it's time to record, it's time to record. You're ready. You're good to go. The beer's getting cold. A warmer over there. Put your money where your mouth is. Kick it off. Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we, we three, combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. Let's hope for the former. My name's Joe Hilliard. I'm with... Dave Gurney. Carlos Cooper. And we're here to talk about Beach Bum and maybe the films of Harmony Corinne. And we're going to drink some great beer. And I suggest we do that first. I'm a little thirsty, David. What'd you bring us today? Or well, Carlos, are you, who's talking about what? I'm going to talk about the beer. I um, can't wait. And it is a beer from El Segundo Brewing Company. It is the Surfin' Bird, uh, which fits in with our Beach Bum theme. And this bad boy is a double IPA clocking in at 8%. It is citrusy, it is floral, and it is bone dry. Uh, And that is what we know about it so far. But they're not calling it a brute or anything like that. They're not calling it a brute, which I respect, because that's just a marketing ploy, not a real style. Brute's not a real Oh, it's a style. No, get it's, out. it's not a style I love, but it's a style. What do we know about El Segundo, Carlos? I don't know anything <laughs> about them. <laughs> um, but I can try. They don't have an about section on their website, so I don't know how I'm supposed to know about them. My favorite is when we retrieve beers that we don't normally get in Corpus Christi, and this is one of those occasions. They're, they're 10 minutes from LAX. Okay. So I can tell you that. You Hell find yeah. LAX, you can get to El Segundo real quick. That's and right. what's the ABV on this bad boy? Uh... Uh, as I aforementioned, eight percent. Eight percent, which is uh, which is not bad. I mean, it's kind of like you know, beginner craft beer, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a baseline double. I'm just I mean, gonna, I'm just gonna that, keep. Yeah upping the ante as far as what is an acceptable ABV. <laughs> and we'll get to the point where we're just we're just we're drinking like whiskey 12, on the show. 30, yeah, right. Then we're drinking just like, yeah. Like just drinking straight liquor. 120 proof. And David, then, yeah. there's a bunch of folks that love movies. They don't know beer as well as, of course, we three do. When they say a double... Well, I- as, as, as much as I do, I, the two of you are still learning. Well, when, when they say a double IPA, is that mm-hmm. just simply that the ABV is a little bit higher? I mean, effectively, yes, but the the rationale behind it is that we're talking about the malt bill, really, and how much malt we're putting into the recipe, and really, it goes back, from what I understand, to sort of the European brewers, the Belgians, where they would talk about having doubles, triples. Yeah, and, quadruples. Right, and that was about how much grain they were putting into it, how much of the malt they were putting in, which, if the yeast has more to eat... When you put that malt in, it's yeah, going to produce more, more alcohol. The more grain you put in, the more sugar you get in right. your boil. And the more yeast, yeast feeds on the sugar. Right. So the more sugar you have, the higher ABV is going to be. Right. But we're never talking about like technical terms. Double compared to single or triple compared to double. It's, 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 it's quantity, but it's, it's open the, to interpretation. These are loose. It's not like you have to hit yeah. a certain ABV to say that. I mean, so you will see. It's, it's actually kind of funny sometimes. You will have a brewery call something a regular IPA, and it'll be like 7.8%. Yeah. And then you'll have another high. brewery calling something a double, and it's 7.5%. Right. And it's like, well, does that really? But based on their recipes, they feel like they're doubling the grain bill. So that's, yeah. you know. so Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's relative to what their standard IPA is. If they have a standard IPA that's 5.5, mm. and then they put out a 7.5 double, 
then right. you know that it that does kind of follow that, the oh, same yeah. logic. But. I don't know. I, I know that we talk about film. We talk about film. We talk about film. And sometimes the beer gets short shrift. So I thought that was just an interesting question. Well, I, I'm Double, glad you triple. asked it, Joe. And and hopefully some listener out there is happy that we were able to fill in a little of the details. There. One day we're one day we're going to do a full hour episode on just like Belgian brewing because mm-hmm. I still. And I can never read enough about it and actually understand what the fuck is going on. There's some beautiful stuff that the Belgians have done uh, over yeah, the years. I just, yeah. I just don't fully... I have never been able to wrap my mind around it, so one day we'll do that. Sure. For my sake, and hopefully the listeners can maybe pair it. it with <laughs> Maybe pair it with some Belgian films. <laughs> Watch in Bruges. I, 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 it's a great uh, film. That's yeah, set okay. in Belgium. I'd be down. Belgium. I'd be down. I've never seen it, and I've heard good things. It's great. But yeah. we're talking about Beach Bum yes, by uh, Harmony Corinne, who... He well, he is a singular filmmaker. He is. And and we will talk about how singular he is as a filmmaker, especially in the second half. But I feel like we need to give the Beach Bum its due. Well, for sure. But I just think, how do you describe... I mean, because to understand the Beach Bum, you do have to understand no, how many... Cor- incorrect. You don't I do think not so? Think, no, I think it's important. I think a film lover... Somebody who really loves film should understand, and hopefully listening to this episode, our, our, uh, our loyal subscribers will, uh, if they don't already, have an appreciation for it. But I honestly think The Beach Bum is a film you do not need to know Harmony Corinne in okay. order to dive into. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe you guys Let's feel get into it. So, so the beach bum, it, Moondog. right? So we have this character, Moondog, played by Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, really, all right. his film. Um, Moondog is a poet, a, a strangely successful poet in in a certain sense. Yeah, more successful than really any poet that I've I, I can think of in modern, especially time. Yeah, in two thousand nineteen. Right. Um, who who seems to be this kind of vagabond character who lives in the Florida Keys. And has been lucky enough to be married to this very wealthy uh, woman who it's never really explained where the wealth comes from, but probably her family. And so that has funded this lifestyle where he can just sort of do anything move the about, fuck he wants, do whatever he wants, he wants anything, write his poetry, mm-hmm. ooh, recite his poetry. Am I popping there I every so, time? Yeah. Sorry. Um, recite his poetry. Say poetry more. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and 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 be who he wants to be. And so we're, this film, um, not a not heavy on the conflict, although there are, there is some conflict. I so disagree but, with you. What, I kinda really? Dis- yeah. I kind of disagree too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think this is all about this guy, his whole philosophy of just floating through life, mm-hmm. and that everything's going to work out okay, and no matter what happens to fall into his path, it does seem to work out okay. That's that's what this film is, in a nutshell. And it's so much more. And it's so much more. It's like that doesn't so even begin to more. Like, you did a great job at plot synopsis, but this movie. Well, it's yeah. it's a film that's not really made for plot it, synopsis. Nope, it's but, not made for plot synopsis. It's not made for a mass audience. It's not. Who is this movie made this for? Movie, this movie. This movie was made for me. This movie was made <laughs> for Harmony Corinne and Matthew McConaughey, and. That's why I think it's important to have some kind of understanding of Harmony Corinne because it's not super plot heavy. Spring Breakers wasn't super plot heavy. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot. I mean, it's just so experiential and right. visual and well, it's true. visceral this, this, and the. I mean, the tone it sets, the music that it has, the characters that it presents. Like it doesn't have to have a super linear 
traditional kind of plot. I mean, even though the plot is linear, mm -hmm. but it's not a standard kind of, you know, what are like the three different three types of stories? Story. Like a okay. uh, stranger comes into town, fish out of water, and like there's a third one. But every mm -hmm. every story can be boiled down to like essentially three there's different no new ideas. narrative right. types or whatever. Um, but, you know, you don't have a character that starts off one place, experiences a conflict that interrupts the goal they're trying to achieve, and then, you know, whatever the fuck. It's just like... His film, Although the three act structure is probably there if you really boil it, it down. is it is there to a certain extent, yeah. but not super obviously, yeah. and not. I mean, when I I mean I'd be hard pressed at any point in the film to be able to pause it and be like, okay, Moondog wants this. Mm -hmm. Usually, you're talking about a character wants something and is trying to get it. You know, that's yeah. like what a basic narrative is. And I don't think that there's ever a point in this film where you can stop and say, okay, this is what Moondog wants. There this is, is Moondog's objective. I, I he has to finish the novel. He knows that. Oh, there is yeah. that. Or his book of poetry. His book of poetry. They, yeah, they do yeah. refer to it as a novel, right. but yeah. 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 Uh, and, and I mean, you know, this is a movie that is just so drenched in. It, I mean, it is it is a movie that really relies on its aesthetic and its tone more than anything sure. else. Yes. I mean, it has some of the some of the the use of, the the use of just like heaven in this yeah. movie, <laughs> a masterclass yeah. in in a compilation and, kind and of score and five or six more songs. I mean, but that one specifically oh, really wait. hit me super hard. Like when that song is playing yeah. and he sees what he sees in that scene which spoiler alert he sees his best friend and his wife you know making out because they've been having this affair or whatever mm -hmm. for but years for years years and years i mean because he Best just disappears for years yeah, you yeah. know so like and you because know, he's with any woman who he, who he wants to be to yeah. Like, yeah and, and uh, the reason i think it's a great film and i'll go ahead and you know show my cards now and say yeah. it's a great film yeah, yeah. is because i'll go next there are no changes that I want to make in this. There's no casting that I think was a misstep. There's no song that I think could have been better or that wasn't used properly. There's no Cinematography shot. Yeah, there's no shot that wasn't executed the best that it could have been. There's no color palette that wasn't, you know, dazzling. I mean, it's really... Har I mean, Harmony Corinne really always just blows me away every time I see his work. Yeah. Uh I I'd like to talk for a little while. Okay. And filibuster. <laughs> Do every, it every, vigilantly. Every once in a while, a film comes along where you watch it and you're and you realize why you like movies. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say a few titles. And maybe you'll be brave enough to do the same thing because y'all can make fun of some of my titles. But when I saw Garden State, I had a, a piff roll, like a, a, I had an experience with that mm -hmm. movie. And when I saw, I've got a, some embarrassing Eternal ones Sunshine of a Spot, Eternal <laughs> Sunshine of the Spotless yeah. Mind. I had yeah. an experience. I forced my wife at the time to go. We're going to the movies because I saw it by myself. I need you to come to the movies. Yeah. I, need, I need you to see this. Yeah. yeah, and she didn't get it. I mean, no offense to her. I mean, it's just it, she. It, it was mine. That, that was my experience. Just then, Pulp Fiction was one. This is one of those movies. This is a movie I'm going to own. This is a soundtrack that I already own. This you is, own it already. Well, I, I got it on Spotify digitally. Yeah. But uh, when you sell it to me on vinyl, I'm going to buy it. Same. Uh, so that I can play it at a party and people can say, "Where did this great mix come from?" And yeah. I can say, "Oh, this is the Beach Bum, my favorite movie of the last." 
two or three years that I own, Ooh. and since you haven't seen, we're going to sit down and watch it right now. Yeah. Aren't, you, aren't you guys glad I insisted on doing yes. this? David, huh? I am glad okay. that you insisted. I saw it on the last you day. I saw it on the last I day. That go, it was, back to, go back to the transcripts. We, we insisted. When, when I was editing one of the episodes, I don't remember if it was The Dirt or if it was us, but I said, I am seeing Beach Bum. Mm-hmm. I will stop at nothing to see Beach Bum. And, and then you didn't exact, see it, and, and we that heard is exactly tonight that you did, did see it. You have a story, I think. Uh, yeah, Beach Bum came out and... It was here for a week and a half. It was here for a week Two and weeks. a half. Yeah, but it came out right before Record Store Day, which is my biggest, busiest day of the year. Sure. And the weeks leading up to it are mayhem. And so I was not able at any point to dedicate the time right. to be able to go to the theater and see it. Work comes first. Yeah. Uh, when you're self-employed, yeah. Right. Uh, and I was very bummed about that. Uh-huh. Pun intended. Uh-huh. And... Record store day ends. It's you know successful. The work we put in paid off. Yada yada yada. Uh, store floods. I've got some free time, and so I'm like, you know what? I think I am going to will this into existence. I'm going to make this happen. I downloaded it. Okay. Uh, through some sketchy means. I understand. And the version I watched of it, I'm was, pretty sure Harmony Corinne would be okay with that. He would be, yeah. Uh, is a guy holding a camcorder in the theater. Oh boy! And so it was not of the best quality. Oh but boy! Given that I saw it in such a low quality format and still was yeah. affected by it the have way that I am, it's just a testament to I feel like what a good film it is. I feel like we haven't even gotten specific enough into into plot I mean, or action. And, I, and, I, and before we quit, I do want to talk about one scene that I have a problem with. Okay, uh, you but, have a problem with seeing. I think that I think this is a movie that I will end up buying on DVD or Blu-ray multiple times because I will end up loaning it to yes, somebody that does right. not give it back to me. I, I I I this movie changed everything about this podcast for me and how I watch and talk about films because I figured that I had Damn. had such a deeply <laughs> personal experience with this movie that the two of you may not even understand. I thought I was gonna have to come in here and defend uh, defend it a little. No, bit. no. Wow. And David, I've, I, been, I've been defending Spring Breakers. Since 2013, I, t- I no, texted you when I was at the theater. This, <laughs> you were, this yeah, you film has made me pledge to go back and watch all of the Harmony Corinne movies in order again. Yeah. Uh, I have there are a couple that I have not seen. I need uh, to do that. Too. And I started with Gummo today, his directorial debut, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I want to see this filmmaker. He is on my list of go to the theater when this director and I knew him and I and I was aware of him and I had seen Spring Breakers and I saw all the more critical acclaim than 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 box office success. Yeah. Although it was his most successful movie to date prior well, with the to, James Franco and Selena Gomez. You can't right. It's, figures, it's difficult yeah. to escape. You're going to see these girls in bikinis, and there's a crime thing, and, yeah, and James Franco so looks weird. The riff raff connection. I need to see it again. I need to see that again. Yeah, me too. As soon as I can, uh, uh, because I believe that this guy's films, having seen Gummo now twice, are requ- they're so layered and so purposeful, while they seem so chaotic and and almost um, uh, accidentally put together. You follow me? He's not. He's not following filmmaking convention where every shot needs to be perfect and right. every. Yeah. It's like we're going to get together and we're going to tell this story. And with the beach bum, the story is so difficult to describe. 
Really? It is, yeah. That, it is. That, that I didn't even want to try to do it today. I was hoping one of you two would do right. the synopsis, and you did a great job, but it's so layered and so dense, and so much is happening and all yet, at the same time. so light and airy, and, and it absolutely just kind of floats along. So, when we talk about his other films, it'll be interesting, because I, I do think this is doing something different this is his magnum it's, opus how does he eclipse this this is his grand budapest hotel i <laughs> rush more but okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. royal tenenbaums but the, no, so, no, no, no. <laughs> grand budapest bye, bye, bye. <laughs> but you know i think when when i look back it, w- 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 let's leave the, i get i got to table that for the for the moment when we look back at his other films but right. this film on its own i think actually works much more as a um Closer to a traditional story than most of his films do. Now that said, true, I think in comparison to most mainstream films, oh, still yeah. true. out there. True. Okay, yeah, it's bonkers. very episodic. True. It's very much just you're you're you know in this little situation for a few moments, and there seems to be something going on, and then in the next scene, oh nope, that's kind of resolved, or we've forgotten about it, and now we're on to the next day. And welcome to Moon Dog's life, right? Yeah, and but that again, but it is I think in part that works because that is the moon dog character right i think what live in the moment yes exactly live in the moment and like you said that scene where you know he's seeing his wife um the isla fisher character with uh lingerie who's played by snoop dog his name is lingerie (laughs) um and and they're together and it seems to be causing him a little bit of stress for for a moment right and you think like oh he does seem affected maybe this is going to turn into a conflict maybe this is going to be but then nope before you know nope that dissolves they meet up at a bar later no because in his way he's morally pure and he knows that he cannot hold her to a standard higher than himself right so if you're if i'm cheating and i think i just had sex with a lady in the back of a diner (laughs) in the the kitchen next to the cook right I was on the phone with right. So I, how mad can I get right at you? And then it's so fascinating. But yeah. So and And then lingerie ends up coming clean and it's a pretty civil kind of. I want to throw it back to you, David. With the next sense, I was going to say was is any of it reality? But then go ahead. You were saying any of it is any of it reality? I think it's a kind of reality. I think it's a drug fueled like it's so everything's hazy reality. Yeah, I mean, I think, but, but, to the extent that are there people who live this kind of life yes. in, yeah. in various places, yes. including Florida Keys? Including Port Aransas, Texas, 15 minutes, 20 minutes from our home. I think there are. Yes, yes. there are. Now, that that's not who I am. No. But. <laughs> I don't mind watching from a safe space. Really, right. you, don't, you don't say, David. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind watching from a safe distance. That's right, and and I love the aesthetics of the whole thing. Oh, I mean, yes. that's you've we've already kind of touched on um, the the music. I mean, front to back, this film just kept giving me these moments where I was just totally, you know, wh- whether we're talking about Crimson and Clover, uh-huh. we're talking mm-hmm. about Lukenbach, Texas, uh-huh. we're talking about uh, Sundown, A Pirates Gordon of Forty by Jimmy Buffett, and uh, the, the, Jimmy Buffett's in moved. it. That's Quite right. That's right. That, Jimmy that, Buffett. More than I expected. Jimmy Buffett composes a song with Snoop Dogg yeah. for it. Yeah. I mean, that's this is a the kind of combination of different aesthetic elements that it all makes perfect sense on the screen, but how it came together, only Harmony Corinne 
Probably. How many Corinne and Jimmy Buffett are friends? It turns out because he spent a lot of time in Miami and the Keys. Is that right? And there we go. And, 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 and Jim, well, he made Spring Breakers in Florida. Right. Apparently, this yeah. Jimmy kind Buffett of was a friend of Harmony Corinne's when they made Spring Breakers and was used like they, people interviewed Jimmy Buffett about this new movie oh. and he was like say, you know he was able to say yeah so that's the only thing. I love this movie so much, and I, I I will typically read a review or two before we come here. Mm-hmm. I did I read nothing. I haven't about read this movie either. except for why Jimmy Buffett's involved. I was curious. <laughs> I was curious about that. And Jimmy Buffett surrounded by nudity was yeah, weird. It Snoop Dogg not so much. That wasn't weird to me. But I didn't realize that Jimmy Buffett in his older age and. I was a Jimmy Buffett fan once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unfortunate. Don't ever tell anybody that. You sold a you? lot of Jimmy Buffett albums in your record store there, Carlos, because I, I see yeah. them there in the B section. No, I have. Uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I, we can go into that. Like, I'm talking Were you about, a parrot head? Did you go to the shows? <sighs> I'm older than both of you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Not we get by it, too dude. much. In <laughs> the early 90s, uh-huh. there was a parrot head phase. Yeah. You were wasting away. Again. And Jimmy Buffett has some great music. Mm. He's got some crappy party music that's on every, you know, uh, Mar- you know, Margaritaville's not his finest work. But a Pirate Looks at 40 is a great song, and it was used so well here as the introductory. Here's a guy, he's, he's over 40, he clearly looks like a pirate, he's mm-hmm. dressed like a crazy pirate yeah and he's on he's 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 in the keys at the time and he's surrounded by beautiful women uh-huh. and we're gonna play this song and he's a writer and we don't exactly know what we're about to get into we don't know what journey we're about to go on and those first few scenes with a matthew mcconaughey film you got mm-hmm. this great a star and you probably got people on the screen i went to go see celebrity in the theater with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio oh, yeah, right, yeah. after Titanic and watch 13-year-old girls and their mothers leave the theater <laughs> because the, the shockingly graphic, you know. Uh, right. But, but for there, it's Matthew McConaughey fans might go to this film. Yeah. I can't imagine that an average Matthew McConaughey fan can leave the film as happy as I was because Matthew McConaughey typically puts out very A-level blockbuster Hollywoody stuff that kind we're of used sterile, to seeing. Yeah. We're not used to seeing a movie like this yeah, in a right. mainstream I way. I think he was born for this movie, though. And that's why whenever it has well, a... Well, it plays into part of his public persona, right? Yeah. Certainly there, the bongo There is the naked phase, bongo playing, right. yeah. But this has a... Uh, currently, when uh, the morning that, that, I, that we recorded this, I, I looked it up. A 30 or 40% audience reaction meter? Yeah. Fuck that poll forever. Yeah. <laughs> screw people, people the are dumb, man. If this has well, a, it, if the if the mass population is mm-hmm. ju- is going to create the content that we get, we will never get movies like this. Right. Well, and thank God that there are filmmakers out there that I are going to put something out. I think it's an incredibly incredibly tough film to market. I oh, mean, oh, I think yeah. it's oh, yeah. it's a film I haven't looked at the box office. It hadn't probably made it, much money. Like you no, say, his films I mean, don't make a lot. Based of money. on star appeal, I think it's really hard because it is a tough film to market. Yeah, because, listen, you, you have people who would maybe want to go see a Matthew McConaughey film based on some of his other successful films. He's not going to work. He's not the all right, all right, all right character. Okay, great. Right, and, and, and I mean... The, Sahara. Yeah. <laughs> you had to get that one in. Yeah, I do. We can't <laughs> talk about Matthew McConaughey That's not right. talking about Sahara. Um, you, you talked to somebody who's thinking of it as like just a sort of uh, bouncy kind of frivolous stoner comedy mm-hmm. okay yeah there's an element of that mm-hmm. but w- what it's hard to get across I think is that actually this is a film for film fans this is a film yeah. for people who love movies so. and want to see what 
different things can be done with the film. Yeah. Which is what I think Harmony Corinne tends to bring. And and, and, that and we'll thank God about. there are filmmakers like that because if there weren't, we'd only get Avatar sequels. We'd only get Don't. Marvel films. We'd only get what's going to produce. See, and this is why... We're you, having such a good time and then you said Avatar. <laughs> you not seeing Jaws, we learned that in the last episode. <laughs> that... Such a seminal film in the sense of the business of filmmaking. It showed filmmakers and financiers what movies could do in a way mm-hmm. we didn't know that. We've potentially always, ruined film forever. We've all potentially. You're not. There are many people that, that agree with that. Although Jaws is a is a great film, it, it, it we are now after the dollar, and we are owned by corporations that put out twelve films a year each. Ish late stage capitalism. <laughs> so the idea that a film like this can get all the way down here to Little Corpus Christi, and that we can see this, that film the films like this are being made that force you to think, that force you to to wonder what the hell I just saw. I might even need to see it again to interpret the thing. Mm-hmm. You're right, David. Mm-hmm. It's a film for those kinds of people. Yeah. And the idea that it's got a 30 or a 40% audience score, I totally makes sense to me. And the idea that I'm going to sit down with and force people to watch this movie that I and we're going to get inebriated when we do. But they still might walk away and go, Joe, you're fucking crazy. This movie's ri- this ridiculous. I think yeah. my ideal... I don't care. You're wrong. I'm right. I think my ideal rating is 30 to 50%. Oh, as far as uh, uh, audience score? Yeah. You want a film that has that... It's divisive? Uh, yeah, because if it's not divisive... But 30 to 50 doesn't automatically mean it's divisive. 30 to 50 could also mean it is legitimately bad. No, like 30 and under, I think, means it's bad. Okay. If it's... if it's Okay, let's say 35 to 50, 40 to 50, maybe even 40 to 60, okay. then you have enough people that didn't like it and enough people that did like it to keep it in that limbo. Mm-hmm. And if there's... If there's not split audience and critic reaction, then I the think critics don't like this. Well, okay, regardless, but but then I think that but they're wrong. They are. And, and, and <laughs> I agree. Hold on, in a decade or two, I think this film will percolate to a. Okay, it w- we didn't get it back then, but it now will. I think it's yeah. so good. I agree, but I, but I think when you have a movie. Um, like Captain Marvel or Black Panther or any of these things that are getting these glowing rave reviews, the reason they have such high, consistently high reviews is because they're lowest common denominator films. And there's also a social aspect to both of those films. Well, that for are sure, but it's score. not it's not just those. The fucking It movie, like you know, things we've talked about before, they got high ratings undeservedly. I mean, you know, you have an appeal to the largest audience possible, and that's not interesting. This movie is interesting. This movie is pushing the boundaries of storytelling in a visual way Uh in 2019 when we thought that we had seen everything that we could possibly see. I mean, like, my wife and I get into somewhat kind of arguments every now and then about, you know, intellectual property theft and things like that. And about remix culture and is anything really original? Can we really get that mad at somebody for doing something similar to somebody else? Like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, we're both right to a certain extent, I think. Um, But then somebody like Harmony Korine comes along that just has a totally different visual vocabulary Mm -hmm. than literally any other living filmmaker right now. And has a different way of constructing a narrative that is both dense 
and kind of vapid at the same time, which <laughs> which is a really strange way I mean, to describe it. Because because at but the same, he is he is borrowing from other film. I mean, I mean he, he is, he's, but he's not coming out of nothing. Well, of course he's, not. He has been influenced by some really interesting and sort of more artistic approaches to filmmaking but then i think what he's done and he and he's not shy about saying no he's not well, he, yeah, he I mean, talks about his references or you know that his influences and who he's referencing but he i think part of what he's done is mix that together with a lot of low culture and a lot of popular culture and and also a lot of subject matter that's often considered taboo yeah. or untouchable. I mean, I I may have spoken a little too broadly about him because, I mean, really everything. No, I don't think you have. He, he everything has singular is voice. everything is influenced by something else. But I mean, I. But no, the way he puts it together is so unique. Yeah, it's and very so, unique. I mean, yeah. you could you could see. You know, a total of twenty four frames from this one second of this film, and no, it's Harmony Corinne. Like instantly, like I think he is one of the most objectively like auteur status filmmakers because I I really think that you can see this and I mean if you were going to confuse him with if you were going to confuse him with anyone maybe Nicholas Winding Refn because of like the neon kind of bright aspects of it particular but Um, yeah not his but that that's not a marker of his of his body of work no but this one in particular I mean that that might be the only person you could confuse him with but even then you can tell you can tell a Harmony Corinne film when you see it. I yeah, think. yeah. Especially his more recent work. Well, and, and, and if to you're that, educated on the filmmaker, well, right? yeah, I mean, you're not. I, you know. If you if you walk into this movie as a Snoop Dogg fan, and you don't know, you anything, might like you it. Don't know <laughs> as a Snoop Dogg fan, you might like it. As an Ella Fisher fan, or, or a mass, or, uh, yeah, a McConaughey fan. I mean, if you saw The Wedding Planner and fell in love with Matthew McConaughey, and we're like, okay, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna yeah. go see The Beach Bum because yeah, Matthew no, no, McConaughey no, no, is in no, it. No. You're in for a fucking ride. Okay, so I want to get specific about a couple of plot things. Okay, if you guys don't okay, mind. sure. And there's some spoilers now. Uh, there now, is, right? There is a okay. So uh, well. His wife dies. Yeah. And she's... Which I saw coming. It turns out that she's the wealthy one. Mm-hmm, right. And that he has this ability. It, it, it's a little bit of a cheat, but it's okay. Because the film's about entitlement. Like, th- that's the conclusion I've come to. Okay. About entitlement hmm. and how it's easy to be a creative entitled person. I'm sorry. It's easy to be a creative that can do anything they want to if you know there's a steady stream of cash that's coming your way. Oh, without, yeah. Whatever. So when that goes away, it's stipulated in her will, and it's a cheap plot point, but who cares, that uh, in order for him to get half of her money... The other half going to their, their daughter. He has to finish a book that he hasn't finished in decades. In other words, he's been living this crazy lifestyle where he can go, do and go and have access to anything that he wants to in South Florida with her her money and his reputation based upon his mm-hmm. his his literary career prior to that. Mm-hmm. But that's run dry. Now you must produce again. He fights it. Right. And then he ultimately says, okay, if that's what I've got to do, that's what I've got to do. He gets half of the money, demands it in cash, mm-hmm. has a big firework display for his friends, and then purposefully sets, what was it, $50 million, some massive amount uh-huh. of cash 
right. on fire on purpose. Another plot point I saw coming a mile away. <laughs> did, did, did you? Yeah. For I sure. didn't see that. Whenever he pointed the, fla- the, the flare at the cache and let the cache on fire, I was there with my fiance. I literally went, ooh. Like, the, the, the second he asked for it in cash, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. The second. Oh he no! Asked I believe the idea. I don't believe. I don't trust banks. I believe that that guy with that lifestyle would would be that way. I, just, I knew. I knew he was going to set it on fire. I mean, <laughs> or it would I mean, be destroyed or lost. Or I mean, regardless whatever. of what yeah. is believable about the character or whatever, I knew that the filmmaker was taking that to a place where it was going to get okay, intentionally so, set on fire. Okay, so what is the moral of the story? Because the typical Hollywood film is redemption. There's the lesson learned. There's the family coming together. It is. I'm. Best Better off when I'm don't know where the next thing is coming from. That's the life I choose to live. That was his last chance. I don't think security. I think American security as we know it. I think it's giving us a character that is trying to untether us from this. <laughs> <laughs> that's trying to untether us from here. this. From this compulsion that we have to value everything through the market, and that you know, the, our, our co-host here, Carlos, just talked about late-stage capital. Like, let's stop weighing everything in terms of film. Now, that I think is probably I'm even reading into it too deeply. I think to Corinne me is just trying to deliver us an experience. To me, it's freedom from entitlement. As long as I have yeah. this money, I am entitled. But my rawest, purest me is down in the streets. I mean, be, so I, therefore, I mean, let he, me remove the ability to be entitled. He right. does say something along the lines of that he belongs with like the downtrodden or the like. What I don't know what the word he uses is, but whenever she's like trying to get him to come back to Miami at the very beginning, he's right. like, he's like, you know, like this is where I belong down here in the Keys with the, with the with the low lives and the, right. you know, I, I I don't remember the exact right, word he uses, right, right. But, yeah. Um, uh, so I can, you know, I can see some kind of element of that in there. Because to me, the the moral's tied to there. The moral is the moral of the story is tied to the destruction of the of the goal. For me, it's always hard to find a specific moral or lesson or message in a Harmony Corinne film. Okay. Yeah. This is the scene I had a problem with. When he's down on his luck, he doesn't know where his next dollar's from. He's got an old friend, Martin Lawrence, who comes up out of <laughs> Captain nowhere. Captain White. I loved Martin Lawrence. <laughs> who takes that, people... Who that takes, was easily the very best Martin Lawrence performance I have ever seen in my life. It's a guy who's obsessed with dolphins. Yeah. And he yep. wants to take people on dolphin tours. Who is called Captain Whack. It just turns out... Captain what? Captain Whack. It oh, just I it was Captain White. No, Captain Whack. Uh, yeah. It just... I didn't have a great Captain, quality copy of this film. Say Captain <laughs> Whack again. Whack. So, uh, it Whack. turns out that Whack. Captain Whack don't know nothing about dolphins and no. dives into... <laughs> Three sharks, like he thinks are dolphins. Oh. He just sees the fins, and he's like, and then a shark attacks him. And oh uh, my god, that scene was hilarious. Oh, it's beautiful. But I didn't understand what it had to do with the film, and I left saying the only flaw of this film was the whole Martin Lawrence thing. Mm-hmm. No, but, nah. but since this film is the only thing I've thought of since I've seen it, I've realized that no, we needed to see that everything Matthew McConaughey turn touches turns to shit. Like to me, the, no, like, it didn't turn to shit. I don't know if it's that either. He had some kind of successful thing, even he though it wasn't boats. successful. Yeah, 
before Matthew McConaughey showed up, and then after McConaughey shows up and then leaves, but Moondog shows up and leaves, he's lost his foot, lost his business. Yeah, but they Everything. retrieved the foot. He's gonna get it sewn back on. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's all it's all good. So, so that was just a, a quick humorous aside. Yeah, or as in, in just a, another ser- in a series. Of yes, vignettes. in a series of other humorous asides. I think. Yeah, so let's okay. So. so we're unanimously We're unanimously this yeah. love this film. It is an experience unto itself. I think everybody needs to see this film, preferably on the big screen, although probably you won't get the chance because yeah. it, it will it be... It came and went pretty it, quick. Right. And, it, and but, it demands repeated viewing. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. I, can't so, wait. I cannot wait to watch this movie again. But let's, let, let's kind of take our pause here. Uh, Surf and Bird, how did we feel about this double IPA from El Segundo? Good beer. Yeah, drinkable. It's a solid double IPA. Yeah. I wouldn't drink this and think it was a double IPA. I wouldn't either. They've masked the flavor. They've masked the yeah. alcohol the content. Alcohol, yeah. uh, uh, it, 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 I was really underwhelmed, to be honest with you. Oh, underwhelmed. And okay. I hate to wasn't say bitter it. enough. It didn't taste like crap enough for you. Well, when you say double it's IPA, a West Coast I, IPA. <laughs> I do expect a certain profile that I did. I, I didn't. I didn't get. Okay. Uh, I don't need fruit in my beer to enjoy it, uh, uh, Carlos. Like people that we know. <laughs> uh, whenever you present a double IPA. Uh, it, it is worth noting that if we were really staying close to the Moondog spirit here, we'd be we would be drinking PBR. But uh, we, we've I, done PBR. You know, in the past I wish. Episodes, yeah. So, um, Elsa Guna Surfenberg, the double IPA. You guys said you would drink this one again on. Purpose? I absolutely would. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know top, that I'm. I'm not going to be list, like. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to be out searching for it. But if it was there, I'd try it again. Yeah. If I saw yeah. it, I'd be like, sure, why not? All right. So let's take our pause. We'll come back. We'll crack another beer, and we will talk more expansively about uh, Harmony Crin. Let's get to the beer because we want to talk more movies. David, right. what you bring? Uh, we got a beer from Fort George. This that. is a brewery out of Astoria, Oregon. Their beer name is Waves of Silence. The the wave connection here for Beach Bum. Uh, and this one actually is an Imperial Stout. Oh, good. So switching it up style-wise here going to get some in the glasses it is nine percent so actually kind of on the lighter side when it comes to imperial stouts these days and i asked this question at the beginning a double ipa imperial these seem to be terms that you see when you have higher abv right how are they manipulating the beer to get a stout S- same deal yeah. i mean imperial and, and sometimes you will hear um you know folks refer to ipas as imperial ipas anytime you apply that you're really talking about upping the grain bill again so like you would with a double so that you purposely get a higher alcohol content. right so yeah so cheers guys and uh we're going to talk about the films of Harmony Corinne, right? So he, this most recent film of his, The Beach Bum, uh, is his first film in about seven years. And uh, he's, he's had kind of an interesting career, right? He started making films fairly young. Very young. Um, initially as a screenwriter. He, he hooked up with Larry Clark, who had been a... Uh, 
mostly a still photographer, but then wanted to get into filmmaking and sort of met Harmony Corinne as a young skateboarder in New York City and said, hey, you seem kind of smart. Could you (laughs) write a story? Well, you know, like, could you write a story about, um, you know, skateboarding kids and, you know, what what they're doing? But but include an AIDS angle. Yes. Include an AIDS plot line. Even an AIDS plot line. Um, And and, and, and I read an article about this. He said, uh, I was born to do this. And then, like, presented a full-blown screenplay in in a few days. And so yeah. it became kids. Right. Kids is a film that came out of that mid 90s, kind of a, a notorious uh, indie film uh-huh. back in that time period when indie films were really taking off. This was the period of like Pulp Fiction uh-huh. and, you know, all, so many others, El Mariachi and all We the- require an antidote to you, Hollywood. We're going right. to make independent right. films and, and they're going to have clerks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, screen. I'm sorry, uh, uh, content right. that, that is a little that might be a little more raw. And and this one was one that actually pushed it in terms of sexuality, in terms of oh, depiction yeah. of sexuality. sexuality. And it was NC-17. That's so it was deal. actually more notorious than it was actually seen at the time. It had a fairly uh, popular soundtrack. It, ha- it had a lot of uh, sort of underground bands of the time. But it was like a clerks. film that evoked evoked a feeling. Yes, a feeling of discomfort. We were, that's that's where we got Rosario Dawson from too, right? And Chloe Sevigny. Uh, you, see, you always say her name, and I don't really know anything about her. I mean, really? Oh, I really, you're gonna, she's. Wonderful. I really don't. The, I mean, the only thing she's that I've a very very did you never bold watch Big actress? Love? No. Um, the only thing I can think of about her off the top of my head is that she was recently seen at a uh, runway fashion event with Lucas Sabat, who's like twenty. Huh? And it was like a whole thing. Lucky like shows up again. Forty-four. Lucky Lucas Sabat. Well, you, you, there's always like a it's new, just some rich kid, that new director, know. new actress, new actor, and they pair up for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly uh, right. So she Larry kind Clark of, directed kids, right? Not Harmony uh, Corinne. But he then used that as a launch pad to get funding for his first film as director million and dollar writer. Budget. And yes, right. He had a million we, dollars for Gummo. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So the the film Gummo had to cost some dough. And there was. Right. Had sleep in it. <laughs> That's right, and and so she and she kind of followed him into that too. She was in Gummo. She was also in uh, Julian Donkey Boy, which uh-huh. was the film he made after that. But um, definitely taking it in a different direction, right? It, it didn't stay with the kind of urban youth. Nope. Instead, going out and youth oriented, youth oriented, but going out into like the. Uh, Sort of devastated Midwest, uh-huh. right? Sure, right. Um, actually, shot in Nashville, uh-huh. but uh, supposedly taking place in Zenio, Ohio. Right. Uh, this town that had supposedly been devastated by a tornado, and sort of these vignettes of the impoverished life that these young people were living in this town. So you guys, had you seen Gummo before we were getting ready for this episode? I'm trying to... I still haven't seen it. I saw Gummo when it was released. I lived in a city that wouldn't have have, have had it, Mm -hmm. population-wise. Waco. So I saw it on uh, VHS or Mm -hmm. or DVD, whenever it it came out. Uh, VHS, we all know how old you are. But I haven't watched it since I prepared for this this podcast. Okay. But like I said in the first half, I was I'm, I'm eager to go back and watch them all. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, I'm gonna watch them in chronological order. And the moment that I saw Gummo, it all flooded back. I just hadn't given it much thought since then. Right. And it, and it's it's really. And you didn't watch it in prep. 
No, I didn't okay. get a chance to. A know. singular kind of experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just... The New York Times called it the worst film of 1997. That's right. Yeah. They did. But Probably but it was also good. championed. And his films since... It, it, it won a grand prize at several... Not con or anything like that, but several film festivals that year as well. Mm-hmm. That critical split you're talking about earlier, Carlos, uh, where, where people got it or they didn't get it. Right, uh, Gummo was certainly in in that in that line. I mean, so so here you have a film about these characters that are supposed to be very much impoverished, fringe, this, fringe, right? Yeah. That, that, like this kind of underclass uh-huh. of this town out in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do other than to go shoot at and collect cats. Yeah. And well, sociopathic behavior. I mean, yeah, sociopaths will typically have have slaughtered or, or or tortured animals in their youth, right? But this is just a way of life, yeah. For 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 a couple of the uh, for several groups within this film, right? It's, right. This is not the the, <laughs> the the essential plot of the film. It's just bored, poor kids doing what they have to do to just live a life. Right. And what right. they do is with, 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 kill with, cats and sell them to a butcher. With with very little parental supervision. Oh yeah, there's right. no parents to be found. There, there, and is, every there adult is one. Is, there is one. Right? right, the mom. Yes, right. There is the mom right. um, who, who shows up, who's actually played by Linda Manns, yeah. who, uh, for those who are cinephiles, will, will know from Days of Heaven, she was the young girl in Days of Heaven, and Harmony Corinne has noted many times yeah. that Terrence Malick and especially Badlands and Days of Heaven are two of his favorite films, and he was definitely pulling that in. So it's, you know, a film full of these references, Gummo itself, I mean, he's referencing Gummo Marx, one of the sort of lesser-known Marx brothers. Um, he's he's fascinated with vaudeville in this way, and this idea of, like, these kind of disconnected acts that... As we were talking about with Beach Bum, it's less a narrative that's like ca- event, causing next event, causing next event. It's more just these scenes of daily life, what's mm-hmm. going on in this town. But it's also what creates joy or interest in our otherwise non-joyous, non-interesting lives. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, the, the, the Chloe Sevigny and her sister putting the electrical tape over their nipples... <laughs> To try to grow their breasts. Yes. They must have read that somewhere, or someone said that this is a thing that you do, right. and they don't have access to do much more than that, so that's what they do. And it's so... And this is a pre-internet. I mean, you know... Weird. It's, it, it, it's, it's... 97? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, so the internet was around, but these are people but who would not have had... Access. Connect- yeah, right. It wasn't as... Right. Uh, it not permeated our lives as much as it And I internet. get the criticism of the film in the sense of he does collect <laughs> together a, a, a group of fringe... And I hate to say that. This is where you get into the whole social, what's the proper thing to say? There are little people. There are, as they call themselves in the film, albinos. Mm-hmm. There is a... Uh, I don't think albinos offensive. Mentally no. Down handicapped yeah. prostitute that is pimped out by her husband, we, we assume. Uh, or or, or boyfriend. Brother. Was it a brother? Yeah. That's even worse. Yeah. I mean, and, and we're going to collect is all those... husband? It's her husband. Yeah, no, I said, is, right. is, is uh, brother worse than husband? Yeah, oh. husband's uh, because you vow said brother and he said worse. And, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, so the, we're collecting all these misfits in one little, you know, uh, 
special right. collection right. To, to view for the sake of the film. But that doesn't bother me at all. Right. In the sense of these are all real things that we can see. It's sure. cin- it's cinema verite, but it's cinema verite of something that's kind of unattractive well, to see. Well, there you go. There is a documentary aspect sure. to Gummo. And actually, I think that carries through to Beach Bum to some extent, where he is interested in just capturing these things that exist out in the real world that he has witnessed, that he finds himself part of because of the circles he runs in because of he's fascinated with all these nooks and crannies of life that exist and it's again like for some of us that seems like a subculture for others it's their daily existence of course so you know i think that's that's one of the really interesting and yet potentially very uncomfortable things about what he does is that he shows you these things that don't usually make it to film no way and with kids it's there as well the thing about kids that made it NC-17 was not that they were sexualized, that, 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 that sex was being interpreted on film, because we see that in R-rated films. It was, we don't talk about underage kids right. having these kinds of things. Right. And that goes into Gummo. There is no parental supervision. Right. So you see kids acting in a way where they're not supervised. And, and I've been in situations where... When there's no parents around, we're going to stretch the limits and go as far as we can. So I don't have a problem with any of the content, although I understand why it's disturbing to many people. Why can't we talk about these things? Why can't we see these things? It's a bold filmmaking if it's done correctly. Yeah, yeah, because it can, it could potentially come off as exploitative Salacious. or right. something like and that. He, and he's been charged with that by many yeah. people. I yeah. don't, th- I don't think that I, I would charge him with that. Not, you right. know, I haven't seen Gummo, but in anything that I've seen of him, I, I can understand people's foul reactions to some of the things that he does. But I, and we'll I never know because you can't get a straight answer out of the guy. Uh, he works as hard as he can to be eccentric. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Um, he, but I, he seems to have kind of straightened up in a certain sense over the years but if you ever watch those few interviews that he did like with Letterman oh, God. back in the 90s those are required viewing we should the, post those on well our he website. was banned from Letterman wasn't he yeah because of those ultimately things. apparently either he was vomiting mess- or messing with Meryl Streep yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I, I think something that, in the dressing room and yeah. it's, it's unknown exactly what happened which is yeah. his style yeah, as a um, as a mythos, as a formerly aspiring screenwriter, uh, one of the things that I always found the most interesting in film, and one of the reasons I probably respect Harmony Korine as much as I do, is I really liked films that kind of just showed things happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't have such a structured narrative, but that was just like this, 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 and this. This, this. another example kind of, to mind. Uh, Not his ex- film, something else. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I mean, when okay, so early in the episode when you said some of the things that made you think about, you know, um, film in different ways uh-huh. or it could be presented in different ways, you said Garden State. Uh-huh. And then you said, maybe I'll get some flack for this or, you know, this is embarrassing. Well, just what, you, you know, your kind personal of, films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, one of the things that, one of the films that I really liked and that I, when I was working on a screenplay, would watch over and over again uh, was Adventureland. With uh, Kristen Stewart, yeah. Kristen Stewart, it's and fan- Jesse Eisenberg. It's a fantastic yeah. movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, so it's really good. And I mean, there is a like, there is a plot line about this guy who was supposed to go to Colombia, uh-huh. 
and finds abandoned misfits. Well, and and, and you know, it turns out that his family wasn't going to be in the financial situation they had previously thought, and yeah. so he goes to work at this amusement park so he can make money. Mm-hmm. But it's also like not about that. Yeah, it's coming of age. It is. I'm a coming of age sucker. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But to me, to me, when I'm watching that movie, it's more of just like you're just seeing these things that are happening to these people, and you know, it's not. At least in my viewing of it, not the same kind of conventional, like, here's the goal, here's the obstacles to the goal, and here's how they have to overcome those things. It's just, it's so hard to write a movie that's just about daily kind of benign existence. Right. You know? Well, and, and he, I mean, I think Corinne And mass audiences which, don't want to see which, it. Which, which, which to me is what Adventureland is about. Like, when I watch it, the way that I relate to it is like, I'm so oh, glad you brought that movie up. I haven't thought about that. It's like it's this is film. just a this is just people doing normal shit, you yeah, know. Right. And I mean, I do understand that you can break it down more into right. a more traditional structure if you you know, but my, that's that's how I come to it. And I mean, obviously, Harmony Corinne is on a whole other level oh, yeah. than that because yeah. I mean, he really is just like. Here are some snapshots of things well, he for an hour and a half. For, with Gummo, he actually gave, like, in addition to the 35 millimeter film that they were shooting with, with his DP, Jean Yves Escoffier, right. who, who was shooting for right. it, who, who is a right. legit <laughs> cinematographer. No, no, no. no. But how he, he landed that cinematographer right, for, he, with he, that content. Right. But then he gave. You know, high eight cameras, other Polaroid camera uh-huh. to all of his you know, or a bunch of his cast yep. and crew, and just had them. It shoot can't stuff. look rich, right? It, and it, so it, it can't look. You watch it, and yeah. and what's going on? I mean, like some of it was planned, uh-huh. some of it was just happenstance. From what he says, most more than half of the film was shot on the last day of shooting, even though they had been shooting for over a month. <laughs> yeah. Like they just were waiting for certain uh, weather situations. <laughs> anyway, so part I of mean, me doubts that. It, perhaps, but you know what? Part of me is. <laughs> but there's a core totally of a, willing. There's the core of a kernel of his vision. Yeah, that comes through with that right. movie, even though with a million dollar budget yeah. and the very first directorial debut, and seeing what Larry Clark can do with a screenplay that I write. What can I do with a screenplay that I write? It all comes out, I think, exactly as intended, which may be an editing thing, but it it comes together. Films are made in editing. It comes together. Sure. Sorry, Dave, I interrupted you. No. So, you know, I was saying it's interesting to, like, kind of chart his career and look at those films. Like, you know, Gummo, where I think he really did go for this very, I mean, you could think of it as disjointed, but it really is, like, these scenes of everyday life that you would never otherwise see with a John Waters lens yeah, that that we're just going to show these people right and they're not Hollywood people right and I'm not going to be scared to show right. these people and I'm and and I'm not even going to try to impose like a John Waters uh-huh. uh, purpose uh-huh. plot on it you know like we're trying to be the trashiest people in America like yeah. I'm just going to let you see what's going on here I'm right. just going to give you this window and I believe that that's what's going on right in a city just like that that had been hit by a tornado they make a big deal out of the beginning right. and the idea is the city's never recovered that it's mm-hmm. just a bunch of poor folks yeah I mean right. so to get okay so to, moving on so uh, Julian Donkey Boy haven't seen it Wonderful film, highly recommend it. Ewan Bremner does a fantastic job portraying a schizophrenic who, from what I understand, um, it, undiagnosed, 
you know, is not getting therapy, yeah. is not getting meds, and is trying to cope with it in the midst of have a dysfunctional family. Have you seen it, Carlos? Mm-mm. Okay, so so um, David, what's the evolution of his career from film one to film two? So I mean, neither of these are big huge hits uh, but is, Either, is he growing as a filmmaker i think he's becoming a little more focused okay. but it's still very disjoint okay <laughs> it's it's more focused in that it mostly does uh revolve around this family unit that's right. being depicted in the film with this one. more narrative maybe yes um but but still very loose in terms of its narrative mr lonely snaps things in a little bit more to focus. I think it has a much more straightforward kind of visual style. Um, that film actually is a film that I got to see in the theater with him there. Oh wow! Uh, he doing a Q and A after. Oh, wow. It was it was a great screening. I loved it. It uh-huh. was really. I think it's probably what was that his, experience? His least, the the one on with the, the him. What was that like? He was great. I mean, he was just very generous and he was nowhere near as uh tweaked out and strange as i've seen don letterman or anything i mean he wasn't putting that i think he puts that on a little bit when he's doing something like that um he seemed very gracious and and excited to be showing it it had been a long time since a film of his had come out i mean it was almost i think eight years between julian donkey boy and mr lonely and it's a really odd film i mean it's a film about a commune of professional impersonators right. people who make a living impersonating in, michael jackson in marilyn Monroe. paris that's right it kind of focuses on the michael jackson guy right in yes. paris right and, diego luna is and, in it yeah and, and i as, yeah. as i understand it he kind of went and moved to europe for a while yeah and now he's showing this is what i've learned in paris right i'm looking forward to say i'm watching them all yeah and so you I'm know i'm also gonna do that re- really interesting film trash humpers is weird. Okay. <laughs> it is. It is like I don't know what he shot it on, but it is definitely an amateur uh-huh. grade uh, uh, recording equipment that he was using. And it's and people that have sex with garbage. Yeah, but that's like such a small part. It, like, it, you know, <laughs> the it, title it, and okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it, but it is. It's closer to Gummo, okay. I'd say, like right. in in terms of its appeal. And is that him saying? Let me get back to my roots. Let me I get think back in some way this. it was. It felt that way, especially after Mr. Lonely, which feels much cleaner yeah. and kind of more polished, even if it still has some of that episodic nature. Um, but, you know, the, following that, it was Spring Breakers. Yeah. And, and Spring Breakers, I think we all have seen. And, and yeah, it's so good. God, I wish I'd seen the others. There's a choice here to use Hollywood stars... And create something higher budget, meaning it looks more beautiful. Right. We're using more sophisticated equipment to shoot and audio the film. Yeah. Right. But that underlying dis- uncomfortable, the narrative is, is loose. The, the narrative is loose. The plot is not uh, important connected in a way that you see in a Hollywood film it's and it's it, i i personally feel the plot in you like this movie isn't a lot. super important okay it's like it's characters it's the characters it's the environment that they're in it's the atmosphere of it it's the experience of watching the film okay i remember seeing this movie in 2013 it was me the girl i was dating at the time 
and one other person okay. in the theater at Century 16. Okay. And watching it in the first, like, I, I saw it at the AMC. Well, the mm. Starplex. Yeah, get yeah. it. The Rat, the rat Theater. <laughs> the Rat Theater. The first, like, ten minutes of it is just slow motion, like, butts. And, mm-hmm. like, girls in bikinis jumping mm-hmm. up and down and taking shots off of each other. And, like, it's like... What you'd see in some stupid Hollywood spring break film. Not even, no, it's way above that. Okay. It's like next level, just like insanity. Uh-huh. Like, I, I remember watching and being like, what is, is this an actual movie? It's like, <laughs> is anything going to happen at, the, at any point? Like, I mean, I had seen, like, Kids was the only thing of his I'd seen. And mm-hmm. um, I was just like, what, what, are, what is going on? Right. And watching it, I remember leaving the theater and looking at, my girlfriend at the time being like, what just happened? What did we just see? <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know if I liked it or if I hated it. I feel and never wanted way. to see another one of his films ever again. Uh, and then it took me a little while to be like, wait, that was actually I'm thinking about really this. fucking good. I'm thinking about <laughs> like, I mean, and, and this was... So different than anything you've ever seen. Yeah, and this was at peak... Um, eccentricity for james franco i believe at the time he was doing like all the william faulkner adaptations he did like interior leather bar he was uh like (laughs) (laughs) that's next beer he was uh he was doing like a master's in poetry i mean he was doing like all this like crazy stuff and then here he comes doing his best riffraff impression and with Selena Gomez right. and, you know, and... And Vanessa Hudgens. And Vanessa Hudgens. I mean, and it was just bananas. Yeah. And there wasn't really... With Skrillex. There wasn't really, like, a narrative to it for a long time. And it's just him, like, in this room with these girls. Look at all my shit! Right. But, you know, and, right. like, what is going on? Like, who are you? Like, what is happening? Like, I don't understand any of this. And for the whole time I was watching it, and I was like, what is... What is happening? Yeah. And then the end, you know, you have the climax and everything with, mm-hmm. you know, the big kind of, I guess, like shootout kind of situation that happens. And I mean, that, that for me was a movie going experience that I had never had before. Yeah. And that I'm not sure I've really had since. It, it was. I mean, it was so. Oh, you'll have it again when you well, you watched it. Uh, I you, mean, you gotta watch this movie properly. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't watch a great version of it, but I mean, it was just like. Uh, so it, is the, the question is: Was that his ultimate, or is Beach Bum his ultimate? I think Beach Bum is. I think Beach He's Bum certainly evolving. I, th- I think I Beach think Bum takes Spring Breakers to. As far, at least aesthetically, to its like logical conclusion. I think so. I, th- I would think that if if you got the guy honest, he would say that um, Beach Bum is the closest popular version of a film that he was intending on making. And I do really love this. But I, is that his goal? I I mean I don't know. I I love the idea of taking huge Hollywood stars and making totally ridiculous shit with them, like. If they believe there's in the almost, content, there's almost nothing that I can think that I want of. There's almost nothing I can think of that I want to see more mm-hmm. than taking A-list actors and putting them in absolutely outrageous scenarios. See, actors, well, it's, it's the I think taking these things that already exist and pushing them to such an extent where it becomes absurd or surreal or you know, I mean, th- nothing that he does in Beach Bum or Spring Breakers or even. 
Julian Donkey Boy or Gummo is something that you've absolutely never heard of, but he's taking it to such an extent that he's pushing it so far that it's just, it gets, it's, it becomes absurd. I mean, because you just haven't seen it depicted that way. And again, sometimes it's because he's showing you something so real that usually gets ignored by film. Sometimes it's because he's showing you something like in the case of Spring Breakers. I mean, it's like a hip hop video, but but for an hour pushed and a half. so far, <laughs> right, exactly. But pushed yeah. so far that it's like stretching beyond the space that you've ever seen it. You know, yeah. it's just I don't know. It, it it's it's really interesting. I you know I, I'm I'm excited to hear you guys say that you feel like he's getting I, getting to this point in his career. I want I'm I'm excited from the standpoint. I want you to go back and watch some of these earlier things yeah, and see what I you do think too. of those. I know you've seen some of them, mm-hmm. but I think he's on. He's on an ascending trajectory. Agreed. I think he will Agreed. continue to make befuddling and unique. And I think totally it puts him in a dangerous things. position. It's interesting that he's done these two films back to back that are definitely obsessed with Florida and excess and hedonism. Well, the Paris film—he's—he's he's writing what he knows. The settings right. of his films are following where he lives. Right. So it'll be interesting. Is it this going to be a trilogy? Is he going to give us a third Florida film, or or is he leaving a Florida third, and is he going to find a new? Or or are expectations raised too high for the next movie because he doesn't have the ability to produce more than this? I don't think I have full I have full confidence that whatever he does, I think because because Hollywood, hmm, there are filmmakers that can get actors that wouldn't otherwise do these kinds of scenes to do those scenes because you're working with this, the material and the director. Are 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 what are, are what caused you to take the project? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With every single film, he's getting bigger and bigger stars. Right. And I don't know. That, I don't know. That, but I don't know that that's true. But I don't know that that's essential. Hold on, hold on. There are blips like the Trash Humpers film. Yes. <laughs> but but if you go back, it's like Matthew McConaughey. Love him or like love him or don't like him is a, is the, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood now. Sure, James but I, Franco but at the time was. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's, that, I don't think it's bigger and bigger stars. I think he's taking whoever is at the height of their fame at that time. But they and would not putting them in. But they would their not put their, But they would not put themselves for the sake of their career in the hands of someone that they didn't say artistically. I'm going to vibe with this because I need to. Woody Allen is a good example. Mm. Oh, I know, I know. In the Me Too movement. Woody Allen's difficult to talk about. Woody Allen has made incredible films, and the yes. content and the and 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 the 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 idea that I'm an actor and I can say that I've worked with Woody Allen is so prestigious in a career or to me personally was, was yeah. I don't even well. No, people have to apologize for it now. Timothy Chalamet had to donate his entire uh, salary from his Woody Allen movie. He did or he didn't because we forgive Woody Allen in a way that we shouldn't or should, whatever. I don't think he's very forgiven. Anyway, my point being that you take a pay cut. You work yeah, for scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, no, you, there, there are those you filmmakers. You want to have an experience right. with this filmmaker. Tarantino is one of those filmmakers. PTA is one of those Was. filmmakers. 
What's PTA that? was? He was. No, I'm saying they were filmmakers that used to have to take a pay cut for. Oh, you, you don't, don't have, have to take, take a pay yet. cut for. Now Tarantino I believe. I believe that. The, I, I'm, I believe that Pitt and DiCaprio were fully compensated for Once Upon a Time. In I'd be Hollywood. curious to know that because he. I, I think. Th- I think they low. made good money. You think he made? 20? I think they made okay. fun yeah. of money. Re- yeah. Reg- I'm so eager to see where we go from here. He's joined the list of the directors that I can't wait to see the next film from, and to me, that's the thing that I look for. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he is definitely in that category, and I don't. I think that he is so far outside of uh, cinematic convention. Oh yeah, yeah. That it would be very difficult for him to let us down, because even if he doesn't quite live up to his previous the standards, only way- he's still going to do something different and interesting right. that is going to make us think and that is going to engage us in a way that most films do not engage us so i i i find it very very difficult to believe that i will have a disappointing Corinne cinematic experience the only way he could disappoint me right if he made a normal movie yes exactly is if he he won't if he just came out with a very conventional transformers and and even (laughs) that fuck i'm just saying there are people that do that right they do one for hollywood one for myself one for hollywood richard linklater is a great example of that he's not gonna do that yeah the linklater's he does yeah we'll we'll do a linklater episode at some point but Uh, talk about linklater no okay well uh, all i'm saying is that yeah the the disappointment for him would be that he went super conventional and just phoned one in but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I mean, imagine. I just don't. I can't. Mm. He's not driven by making things for. And he's. he's not, I don't know if he is. He driven by money. Uh, is he um, someone that cares about making money? Is he the real Moon Dog? I mean, is that <laughs> well? It's but it's but it's also like I mean, he's been doing this for so long. No, making but unconventional makes, films for but, so long, why would he all of a sudden, 20 years later... Well, but we should also... So, ooh, whoops. We should not ignore that he has made commercials, music videos, yeah. other things in between. I mean, he knows how to make the money he needs as he goes along, but I think he has a distinctive enough vision, and he produces things that are um, distinct enough that he is able to make the living he needs to and make the projects he wants to without having to compromise. And there are very few filmmakers yeah. who are able to do that. And I think, I, I I think he has found himself in that position. And I, I shouldn't say found himself. He has put himself in that position. Yeah. And I think he won't extract himself from it unless something really crazy happens, but I don't think it will. I think he's going to be able to continue to make films that stay outside the margins. From Gummo Gummo to this film, you see a clear evolution. Mm. You see elements of Gummo in this film. Yes. The idea of the camera's going to show what the camera's going to show, and we're going to show a piece of America that people maybe even don't want to see. Right. And we're going to plan some things. We're going to let chance get involved. Yeah. We're going to we're going to pull in people who have nothing to do with with filmmaking in general. Um, and it's you know, so refreshing. It is. It's it so is. refreshing as we struggle with trying to figure out what we're going to do for the next couple of episodes and know that we're just fucking mired down in, in <laughs> Avengers Endgame. <laughs> When, when yeah. will the next uh, Harmony Corinne emerge from the filmmaking uh, soup? Well, to, to 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 give us a remedy to the tomato meter uh, 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 fueled 
income fueled nonsense that we get from week to week to week. Yeah, we need people like. Thank God we have filmmakers like that. That's right. Good palate cleansers. All right. How did we feel about the beer that we've been drinking? Uh, This. This was a journey for me. This Waves of Silence is really good. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, And it got better. The warmer it got, yeah, that's the truth. A lot, and, a lot of stouts do. A lot of stouts do. I mean, the warmer, I mean, the longer I sipped on this, I, you very deviously cracked open another beer. That's um, yeah. which you are currently drinking, and so is Joe. Hello. I have not taken a sip of it because I can still taste the coffee notes. Uh-huh. Yeah. On my tongue it from drinking has- this Fort George Waves of Silence Imperial Stout, and it it. It really has that coffee, chocolatey, roasty kind of flavor to it that I really, a, really love from the And it's a beautiful use of carbonation. I'm going to tell you that right yeah. now. And it's nice when you can pull that off with a, with an Imperial Stout that has no adjuncts. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. We're not throwing in vanilla. We're there's not no throwing barrels, in. No. no. It is just the malt, the hops, the water. And and there you go. And it, it, I think I'm very impressed. This is my first Fort George beer, and I'm excited to try some more in the future. Now, how did you feel about this Destination Unknown Beer Company uh, abuse of science? That's a nine. That's a nine ABV. Uh, uh, no, this ABV. is an eleven. Get your shit straight. <laughs> uh, the the stout was nine. I can't see and can barely speak. Uh, this it. Imperial IPA is 11. Yeah. I, I, w- I was figuring if I was going to go for a third beer here, it just it had to be a, a heavy hitter. And, yeah. And I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's I, I don't feel qualified to review it's beers good, anymore. Yeah. yeah I, I, <laughs> you don't feel qualified anymore? <laughs> Tonight. Tonight, yeah. We've, <laughs> we've reached a point where we no longer have. I, 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 I think, think we had a double IPA when we did that. Uh, at the beginning. Uh, at the yeah. beginning. The Serpent right. Bird. That's a 9 percenter. This is no, an no, 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 no. This is an 8 percenter. Right. And this is also a double IPA that's 11 percent. Imperial IPA, they're calling it 11 Imperial, sorry. Now, this has all the notes that I like. It's got a little bit of uh, a dank, a lot of hard hop. and uh, You like them dank. It's, yeah, I do. It's and, a more traditional uh, IPA profile. Yeah. And I should say traditional in the American sense where, yes, you got, although it's not super bitter. I mean, it's, it's. It's not like uh, hardcore uh, West Coast. <laughs> did you splash his phone? Nice. I did. Um, it's time to wrap it up, but it's tasty. So yeah, we. I'm just getting started. Nah, it's a great night for beer and a movie. It is, we've, we've, but but seriously, I think the big takeaways tonight are: please do yourself the favor, see the Beach Bomb. You have to. It, it, you you probably won't get to see it in theaters at this point, but find it on demand. Find it. Uh, get your friends together. Sit down. Drink some beverages. Uh, uh, you're right. Enjoy David. yourself. David, you should watch it in a group. You're absolutely correct. We saw this at Alamo Draft House. Mm-hmm. Alamo Draft House provides alcohol uh, if you if you care to have it and they and now the Alamo Draft House near you if you have one of these fantastic theaters probably has a fantastic beer selection being a little bit fucked up when you watch this movie and, and however you'd like to do that mm-hmm. helps you mm-hmm. it, 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 it you can that's you, a lot of stuttering. It adds to the experience right. if you watch it in the mindset of the way that I believe they're delivering the film, which is all it is high. The film is high. Yeah. Do you follow me? Yeah. 
the we film didn't talk was trippy. We, we didn't talk about the Zac Efron's hairstyle. Oh, it's not I love Zac Efron. Yeah. I didn't I think I was a Zac Efron fan. Jonah before Hill this is movie. amazing. Yeah, Jonah, Jonah Hill gives his best performance since Wolf of Wall Street. Southern, his southern uh, dabbing at his face with the handkerchief and the southern. God, he's so it's good. So good. Jonah Hill, I think. Current day is one of the most underrated actors. I don't even think he's underrated. He's nominated and we he's didn't, Academy we didn't Award even, oh, for the one oh movie. God. We're, we're going to get up. Guys, we need to wrap this up. Do we? <laughs> we do. We need to wrap this Let's up. I will on. not stop standing Jonah Hill. Let's we can on. do a Jonah Hill episode if you want. <laughs> Let's what would that look like? Mid nineties was a great film last year. Didn't this get Superman. to see it. It was, it was only here for like two seconds, and I went. Yeah, All right, we love like doing, we, we love doing this podcast. We love you. And we want you to look us up on social media. Carlos, where do, where do they find us? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, on Instagram at Beer and a Movie, and Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX. And of course, as always, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to post what I'm drinking on our Instagram if I'm drinking something interesting. So, I mean, I really think that's the most uh, live and direct place to find us. Right. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, then you really owe it to yourself to go give us five stars and leave a review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see in the future, what we could do better, which is probably nothing because we're probably the best podcast on the internet right now. Um, <laughs> Jonah Hill says the best thing about being rich is that the... The people that aren't rich have to. What did he say? I don't know, dude. I don't know what they you're talking to, about. They, you can give, they, they, you, can, you can give them shit, and they just have to take. They it. just have to take. Uh, it. We're not there. I don't co-sign that because uh, I'm not a classist. No, um, I'm for I'm for the proletariat. But um, yeah, what do you want to see us? watch in the future what kind of episodes do you want us to do what breweries are we missing out on right and what uh beer are you going to send us from those breweries please you can send us beer That's please right. find a way to do it suggest films send beer do we need to see jaws in the theater soon Carlos? <laughs> do we need to see it on a lake that's right. Uh, it's possible. Um, until next time, 